hear the word as he set it forth this day. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, touch me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Let me move behind the cross and let the words of my mouth be a meditation unto your heart. And let even the tough subjects that need to be taught, let them be brought forth in such a way that we can see you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As I began to prepare for camp, I saw a lot of movies and listened to a lot of things. Whatever's going on here, it's going to still be all right. This is the theme song from a, a movie called Coach Carter. And I'm not sure what is... What's happening today? Turn it off. But it's interesting that the words of this song, it talks about hope. The rap song from the Young Brothers in Action really talked about the hope of God. When we went to camp, there's a lot of hurting children that happened to be in the same place at the same time and needed to know God's love was with them. And on the heels of what I consider a very tough passage, there are times when a passage will come in lectionary and I will say, well, can't I just skip that one, Jesus? I've never heard anybody preach about the fact that John the Baptist was beheaded on a Sunday that involved youth and children and celebrated so many great things. But in the scheme of life, I chose to be obedient. And at the time that the bulletin was put together, I continued to pray. And in most cases, I'm able to just allow God to move very easily. And I have a sermon topic and a title very quickly. But this is one I really struggled with. And I struggled with it for a variety of reasons. And I'm hoping that I will be able to capture what God needs me to share with you about what happens in a ministry. The name of the passage today, the name of the message today is simply, the message is bigger than the messenger. Turn to your neighbor and say, the message from God is bigger than the messenger. Turn to another neighbor and say, the message of God is bigger than the messenger. If it had to have a little action item or a subtitle or something to help us really put our hands around it, I simply want you to begin pondering. You might even decide that you want to write it down in the little place in the bulletin where there's notes. But the questions that are going to be plugging into your heart as I pass through this passage simply says, are you committed to serve God? Are you committed to embrace repentance? And are you willing to commit to the truth of God? This passage of gospel is a story inside of a story. It happens to be a narrative that deals with 
multiple stories, but we only look at one component because a lot of times it is hard for us to put our hands around the fact that somebody's head got cut off. If we're truthful with ourselves, very few times are we really comfortable with the picture of violence, whether it's in the Bible, whether it's on TV, whether it's up the street. And I'm not saying we ought to ever get comfortable with it. But a lot of times what happens when we see violence or experience violence, we deny that it is. John the Baptist was a very important character in the midst of the holy story. John the Baptist was the man who not only baptized Jesus Christ, but the gospel tells the fact that he told the story that Jesus was coming. He was like the comedian before the comedian, or he was the front runner at a show before the main act came on. For John the Baptist told the world that Jesus was coming before Jesus actually came. John had a ministry, and his key objective in his ministry was the fact that everyone should repent. Not that some, not should be the special people, not the king of kings and the Lord of all, and only the humans or the persons right on the ground level, but he believed all should repent, that they may know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. In the most humbling experience, we have to recognize that repentance is bigger than the person who is sharing. I can walk up to somebody and say, repent. And they'll look at me and say, excuse me? You want me to do what? Because at that point, the person may be saying to me, I haven't told you, I haven't confessed to sin. I don't have to really talk to you. Why are you telling me to repent? I haven't done anything wrong. Or if a little kid would run it and say, my brother broke the dishes in this thing. It wasn't me. So we would tell on one another, but if we walk up to one another and say, repent, that would scare her. Who she thinks she is telling me to repent? I walked up to this friend and said, girl, you better repent. She said, now what have I done that this woman is walking up to me and making this bold statement? Repent requires action. Repent requires us to turn away from what we were doing to doing something different. Not to repent because your friend says, but repent because Jesus Christ wants to offer us new life. But you see, the message today, if you take the psalm and you connect it with the gospel and you look at the other two passages that are part of lectionary, it paints a very challenging picture for our walking Christian. You may say, why? Because it's the story of the story. Herondas is married now to Herod, but she used to be married to Herod's brother. And because she was married to Herod's brother, something happened in that marriage, and John the Baptist knew. John the Baptist went to her with a truthful way and said to her, look at here, girl. You're not doing the right thing. And she basically said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But her attitude was, please, John, get out of my business. I've got a new husband, I'm doing a new thing, and you need to leave me alone. This is not to say there's anything wrong with second marriages. It's not to say that God doesn't bless us and we ask 
of repentance and receive it. But when we do things that are in the order of God and somebody brings it to our attention, if we're comfortable with repentance and we're willing to make that change, we listen with a different order. Her didn't listen. She was actually upset with him and said, wait a minute, who do you think you are? She told the new king now, she told Herod, and Herod said, I got this, I'll handle this. And she didn't like the way he was handling it, so she said, you know what, I'm going to get him one day. Waited until there was a birthday party, and this is the story in the story. Even though she was now the wife of a queen, a king, she never let that old hatred go. Repentance requires that we let the old hatred go. Repentance requires that we allow God to give us a new heart and that we'll do a new thing. But we have to be willing to let the old that is out of order go. Sometimes that's hard for people. Because they say, I forget it and forgive you, but I ain't putting it down. They have a little, little hatch right in the ground. Hand, hand that is still hanging out there, and they repent with their mouths, but they don't repent in their spirit, and therefore, at any point, they want to break up the hat and say, Ah, ah, ah. I'm going to get you and cut your head off. Has anybody in here, I know nobody in here has ever cut anybody's head off, but have you ever had your head cut off? <laughs> with words, with glances. I remember somebody once saying that, girl, if looks could kill, you'd be dead. Because we looked at somebody so hard. And if our children were able to get up here and talk to us real straight and honest and truthful, some of us would say, they would say about us, my mom and daddy said to me, real hard. Man, they cut off my head with looks and I can remember. If I touch something that it says don't touch and do something that it says don't do, the person that you see at church, that ain't the person that be at the house. <laughs> she be just staring me down. You don't know my papa. He be nice at church and he be funny around with you, but you get him on. And eat the last piece of watermelon, you'll see a different man coming. <laughs> Cut your right in half. And think nothing of it. That's human nature. And human nature causes us to do things, but our mouths will create a promise. And at the point that Hawazis was at the party, and her daughter came and said, Mama, what you want? She wasn't celebrating Herod's birthday. She wasn't asking for a gift that would be pleasing out there. She was challenging the authority to see just how far he could go with the promise. And she said to her daughter, Tell him I want to hate Just cut it off. Ooh, that's Neymar. He ain't crossed. How could somebody in that kind of authority be in such a situation to hold on to a bird in such a manner that would say, cut off the head of man that has a ministry that's so powerful? <clears throat> that was then. This is now. And sometimes the head that we want to cut off as Christians, 
is tough to look at. We want to cut off the heads of change. We want to cut off the heads of newness. We want to cut off the heads of difference. And we do it very much inside of the story. And the message is that God needs us to repent and change and be made new. But we struggle because we're afraid. We struggle because difference is really a stretch. Twenty hours there were people in this church that were different than you and me. Simply by the color of their skin, many were different. Simply by the ethnicity of their background, many were different. Simply by where they lived and the jobs they did and everything that they do made them different. But they were here for 20 hours talking about the tough Racism is one of those things that if we could truly be honest, sometimes we want to cut the head off and even if we've attempted to, it grows back by itself because we don't go the next step. And we make and allow systems to have promises and we just continue to go on because we say, what would we say sometimes? Well, the wheels of change move slow. Same old, same old. There's really nothing I can do. Just cut the head off and see what happens. Out of apathy, out of anguish, out of challenges, we allow things to go on. And we become the story inside of the story. Instead of pursuing truth as Jesus would want us to pursue, instead of pursuing repentance as John the Baptist taught us to pursue, we pursue what we're comfortable with. And better yet, we become expert at oops. Other people's problems and situations. We become experts at oops. That's somebody else's stuff so we don't have to handle it. We, instead of looking at the real intensity of the story, we only want to be like King Herod. Well, I promised the woman I would do anything. I don't want my integrity to be threatened by this, so I just got to go ahead and get the man's head cut off. Even though it may have been something that was set up that he did not follow through, he didn't think it through, he didn't look at it closely and say, what am I doing? Giving this open blanket authority to anything and anybody over any reason. Have you ever been like Harry? Told your child I'll give you anything you want if you would just do right tomorrow. They do right for 24 hours and what happens? They come back to collect and you say, oh no, no, no. Mm -mm. We don't look at the accountability of the orders that we put forth. We don't look at the structure and we don't look at the out of the box kind of thinking. Maybe it was nothing wrong with King Herod giving that order, but in his bliss, in his celebration of his birthday, he never expected the woman that he loved, that used to be his brother's wife, child to come forth, dancing in such a way, enticing people to make statements he never thought she would ask for John the Baptist's hand. But what's the story behind the story? John the Baptist called them on their story. Said, look, people, y'all out of order. You need to be accountable. You shouldn't be messing with your brother's wife. 
If John the Baptist gave me some of us that order to say he would be telling us, we shouldn't ask for certain things, but we say, God, okay, I'm just going to look past it. And what happens when we look past things? It grows out of order. Yeah. It's difficult to receive. This is not a warm and cozy kind of sermon. It's the sermon that will simply ask you to look in your heart. Am I committed to serving God with my whole heart? Am I committed to be truthful? If somebody asked for my head to be cut off, could I still stand for God? Could I still love God? Could I still embrace God? And the answer for me, personally, is yes. But the hardship is, as you walk through this journey, every part of it is not comfortable. Some parts are like walking through hot coals. Some parts are like walking through challenging places. But we look at the scripture in the book of Mark and it reminds us that instead of holding on to grudges, we ought to reach for God's hand and grace. Instead of holding back and saying, you know, I forgave you, but it's about saying, I forgive you now and will continue to forgive you. And I'm willing to start When the bishop came to visit me, it was a surprise. Her friend had called and asked to make an appointment with me. And I started to tell her, girl, this is a bad week for me. I'm busy. I've seen more people at more houses. It's hot and the mosquitoes are chasing me down. And I'm really tired, and I'm trying to figure out left and right, up and down. And God said, I will have no excuses. There was a spot open, and the very spot she wanted was available. I said to her, I said, we'll meet at the church at 2 o'clock. Is that good? She said, that's a great time. And normally when I sit in the form of myself, I always will ask, what is the purpose of our meeting? Why do we need to get together? Simply for the fact that if it's something I need to prepare before I see you, it's something I need to pray about, it's something I need to get right about, I can do that in a head of time. But the Lord can leave me ask that question. When they walked in, I was in the office doing some things. I was trying to wrap up some things, trying to figure out a few things, and they are for this morning. And maybe the complexity of it all and the, and the humanity of it all. A bishop is just a woman, just like me, having accepted her call, walking through by grace, knowing that she's in a different place of leadership. And it was like having a holy, holy person, a person who can attack some of where I'm going to walk into my space and simply say, hello. Yeah. I almost got shook up. I didn't know that I had met the president or what. I just kind of looked at it and said, hello, yes. <laughs> I tried to figure out what clothes I had on, was I looking right, but I mean, but it was too late then. And I still didn't know why she was here. She said, well, let's just walk around. And her face said, tell me the story of how God has made his presence known in this time. We walked through the church, talked about hurricanes, but talked about it from a standpoint of lives being transformed. We came in the sanctuary and she just 
looked at the, every place around and she said, My God, my God. The presence of the Most High God is right here with us. I never felt like she was way up here and I was way down there. I never felt like she was going to send an order to cut off my hair. I never felt anything dangerously out of order. But I'm reading a book that I'm preparing for a lot of my sermons that will come from this point of called Holy Places. I felt like I was in a holy thing with a holy woman. We prayed. She anointed my head. That for all your people, remind them what God has told me to do. It literally changed my whole focus of the sermon. It asked me to go back and look at the story inside the story. It asked me to look at the message, not at the messenger. It asked me to look beyond who John the Baptist was and why Haranda said had ordered his head to be cut off. It asked me to look at where will we stand? in our spiritual journey. Where will we place the commitment for our lives? And to listen to our kids. Will we allow ourselves to know who and what we There's a message that our young people left with us today that you may not have even picked up. The same day I met with the bishop, I got an email from my son that said, Mom, I need you to listen to this song by DMX. If you know me and you know me well, I only listen to just enough rap music to know who's out there. But I'll listen to it long enough to figure out what they're saying because it's above my mind. And I said, you want me to listen to who? He said, I'll just turn on DMX. I'll send you the download. Click on the web and just can you pick it up. I said, brother, you want me to listen to DMX? Now, the only reason I know DMX is because he has a special on BET. And I know he's been around for a while, but he's making a transition. He's making a change because the last three albums that he's put out, he's made sure there was a song about his faith. And even further, that deeper this time, he actually has a single. So in the world of making music, anybody that's able to get a single intends to do something with that song. The song title, title is simply, Lord, Send Me a Sign. The lyrics are interesting. He talks about his life, and the chorus simply each time starts off with, Lord, send me a sign. The Coach Carter song was about hope. The young man's rap was about his life. The dance was about praise. The testimonies were about peace and how God has moved. Lord is already sending a sign. Don't let your head get I don't care who ordered John the Baptist ended up being raised from the dead. In the end, people were trying to figure out was John the Baptist, Elijah, and Jesus the same person. Because when you see, people were looking for a sign of the presence of God, of the movement of God, of knowing who God is in their life. All our children are looking for a sign. 
Children, I need you to come up close up front. I need y'all to all start moving. If you are between whatever age you are, less than 18 years old, please move right now. I need you to be right up front here. I need you to be up front. Help me. Move. Get a move on. Get a move on. I need you to move up front. I'm not going to cut your hair off. I'm not going to tear you down. But I want you to see this number two. You can sit in the seat. You can get close. I just need you to be up front. We always talk about them being our future. They are our today. Some of what we do as Christians, some of what we do as adults, some of the behaviors and the apathy and the posture that we have cuts off their hope. And some of what they do out of disobedience cuts off ours. As a body of Christ, we have got to remember that this is our children. And all children need to know they belong. That there's a place in their life. That there's love and there's mercy. And they can be forgiven and repentance can be seen in their lives. If I were to go down each one of these and say, who your mama? Who your dad? Somebody would say, I know who my mom is. I don't know who my dad is. I know who my dad is. I don't know who my mom is. There's stories of brokenness. The body of Christ has had their head cut off. Because we've allowed the world to define the faithfulness for our children. We've given permission for a story to be told inside the story that we are embracing them to the fullest. That something has to be shut up. I stop by here to tell you this morning. We are the reason that the shake-up needs to happen. We are a body of Christ that needs to be uh, elevated to a whole other level. We are a body that is doing great things, but we are a body that has to reach out now and build relationships. I've been here two years, and I've heard a lot of used to be stories. Let me tell you what we used to be like that. Let me tell you what we were doing. Let me tell you where it's been. And the most touching experience is when somebody says, this is where I felt a burn. This is where my life was changed. I'm challenging you Before we go into the next season, we've got to pray about what we need to watch. We don't do anything but have two boys scouts and a boy scout. But we have got to stop talking about creating ministry and relationship with our boys. Instead, we've got to do something. We have got to stop saying, well, I'm only going to do this. They need us here. And we have got to make a commitment to serve and be here for their full needs, not the ones we're comfortable with. And yeah, we're going to have to talk about tough stuff. The real issues that they're facing in their schools. I didn't go to church and somebody talked to me about sexuality and having my head cut off and having a gun. I didn't grow up knowing that part of the world. But this is a reality that they face in a space called school. Even if they leave and they are homeschooled, they still in the world and out the world. But God has a purpose and place for each and every one of these children's lives. And we are part of making that happen. Oh, yeah. 
know why he's coming, but I don't know I'm telling you how he And our children are being perpetrated upon. They are being called upon. They are being looked at. But if we're not willing to stand with him, shoulder to shoulder, parent to parent, love him anyhow, within our conditional love, and Lord knows what happens, they make a mistake. I asked anybody, have anybody offered you drugs? And I'm like, yo, a little bit. But God is asking us, did anybody hear can anybody take a smoke? And I stopped right here today and said, some of our kids are taking a smoke, a drink, tripping, I don't know, because they're trying to escape. But you may not like the fact that Harry's delivered on the promise and had John and Dad's head cut off. You may not even like the fact that when his head got cut off, that was the end of John Baptist's message. At that moment, his life was over. But the message of repentance is bigger than the message. The message of love is greater than the message. And the message of forgiveness is real. The message of salvation is awesome. But if we don't stop, the time and full relationship with our children. You don't have to worry about blaming the other people. You'll have to take the blame. Our children need to spend time with us. Cable television should not be raising our children. Should not be our long-term babysitters or our short-term babysitters. If you don't know what your kids' teachers are when you go back to school, make it your business to do something different this year. This is not a bad report, but this is a major checkup. The world wants that young man, that young woman, and everybody in between. Because Satan is not going after folks that he always got. He's going after the ones that he ain't got. And so I'm speaking in proclamation terms. I'm speaking in real life terms. Look around. There's some empty pews, so he got some folks. He got them to the point they won't even come out of their house to go to church. He got some folks because they won't pray. He got some folks so bound that the only thing they'll do is say, this, 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 this. He got some of us. Stand and give these kids a hand slide of praise. Do you want them to get to the fulfillment of life? Do you want them to see what God has for them? Do you want them to get to seven years old? Do you want them to have everything that God has for Do you want them to be fulfilled? Do you want them to know God like they've never known before? Do you want the promises of God to come upon their lives to be extended in such a way that they know Jesus for themselves? Yes. Then think about it. Are you committed even to the point if somebody would order your head to be cut off and you say, go right here. This is my child. This is my people. I'm committed to God in such a way that I would proclaim him anywhere, everywhere, all day long. Are you bold enough to stand for this at the school board? Are you bold enough to 
understand them in after school. Are you bold enough to be in their principal's office, not trying to jack the principal off, but say, you know what? I've been meaning to say, what kind of program can we do for these children after school that they don't have to be by themselves? Are you willing to dream a new dream? Thank y'all for the box. And undo and make a new. Let's say it's the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you right now saying let us be a sign of hope and love for these all of your children. Let us be the body of Christ, born and bred and raised to a point that we would step out of our comfort zone. We would reduce and release the grudges that we hold maybe against one another across the street around the corner. Will we allow the repentance to be fulfilled this day? Will we let go of our fear? of the unknown to go all the way to the end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The doors of the church are open. Will you stand as we sing Blessed Assurance?